Well, good morning. That is our theme for the year. Uh, thousands of kingdom moments. And uh, so therefore, we've been looking at a kind of framework to hang these things on. At the beginning of this year, we've been looking at prayer and care. And today, we're going to be focusing on share and how we together can indeed partner with the Holy Spirit and walk with him, enabling us to act out, as it were, through his power, moments that have kingdom impact every day, wherever we are across this amazing bay. And um, I just wanted to do a, a kind of quick recap, if you like, on where we've been, and um, just a great scripture on prayer to kick us off. We say that prayer, therefore, is, is like the fuel for mission. It's the fuel for life. It's the fuel for everything we do. And it's the fuel that will enable us to see lives transformed genuinely um, as we work with the Holy Spirit. And it says this, Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6. I'm going to pray it over us, if you like. Use this as my prayer for this morning for us. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to devote ourselves to prayer that we would be watchful and thankful today and always. I pray, Lord, that you would open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm not in chains, all right? I'm not, okay? Lord, I pray that we may proclaim it clearly as we should. Amen. 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 So we talked about praying for others. We talked about praying for opportunities. And we talked about praying for outstanding clarity of the gospel. And I'm hoping that that's something that I can help you with just today and as we work out this um, together. Who started praying for some of their friends or colleagues or neighbors since the beginning of the year? Anyone done that? Some. I want to encourage you. If you haven't written your prayer list yet... Get those couple of names down, people that you feel God's put on your heart, people that you know, and let's keep praying together. So what about care? We looked at being salt and light, didn't we, from Matthew 5. Um, we had this phrase that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I think that's so important. It says you are the salt of the earth. It says you are the light of the world. That's you and I. We are salty and we are light to those around us. And it says in verse 16, let your light therefore shine before others. Let them see your good deeds, how we care for one another, how we love one another, and they would glorify your Father in heaven. I want you to know this morning, I want to encourage you that wherever you go, you make things brighter Okay, because that's what light does. And you make things better, because that's what salt does. Tell the person next to you, you make things brighter, and you make things better. <laughs> but the question is, do we really believe that? Does the hope of God in our hearts 
really enable us that wherever we go, we feel confident in who he is and what he can do, that we genuinely can, with confidence, not arrogance, step into a room and know that we can make things better and brighter. I want to pray again that we would be that people. So what about share then? We're going to go to 1 Peter 3. Um, I'm going to read from verse 13. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or on your devices, it will come up on the screen. And um, the phrase, if you like, for the day, or this whole share kind of area, is sharing how Jesus changed you and how the gospel, the good news, changes everything. That's what we're going to find out a little bit together. So let's read 1 Peter 3, um, starting at verse 13, and it says this, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? And even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That's the key verse today. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. couple of things I just want to pull out of that piece of scripture straight away. The first one is this whole sense of revering Christ. It says this, do not be afraid, even if you should suffer from man and what they say to you, don't be frightened. Don't you love that command in the scripture? Jesus says it again and again and again. Don't be afraid. Do not Fear. Then it says revere, but instead revere Christ as Lord. And there's something here about what we do with Christ as Lord in our hearts that is a shift away from fear. I want to suggest in this moment that Paul is speaking here in 1 Peter against the church who are finding opposition from those around them as they spread the gospel that the prospect of offending God for us sometimes is a more dreadful thing than the prospect of being persecuted by men. And the whole thing here is that if we fear men's threats, essentially we are doubting God's promises. Did you get that? If we fear man's threats and what they might say and what they might think and what they may do, in that moment, we're doubting some of God's promises of who we are, what he's called us to be, and what he's promised he will do through us. And let's be honest, this whole area of sharing our faith is something that can cause us to be fearful, can it? If we're honest of what others will say, or how they will take it. But here's what God has promised. One, he has commanded us to go. 
Go into all the world, making disciples. And he's told us that we can go with what? Authority. All authority. Because we've been singing about that today, isn't it? That's what he has. All authority and power. And he gives it to us, which is incredible. And then he promises his Holy Spirit that fills us. And why does it fill us? The Bible tells us that it fills us so that we can be witnesses of what we have seen and heard, of what God has done in our hearts. So he gives us a power to be able to work this out. And then he says, I'm going to go with you. God is with us. He's with us. And you know that, don't you? I know that. And he's with you wherever you go, particularly when we come to share in our faith. He said he'll be with us until the end of the age. I hope that's encouragement for you. I'm trying to encourage you this morning and fortify you to be able to share this great news that we have in him. Second thing, this reasoned hope, okay? This is really key to what we're talking about today. And I wonder this morning, how hopeful has your faith in Christ got you today? How hopeful, because it's this hope that is what we are meant to share. And I would suggest that sometimes we don't feel able to share because we don't often feel very hopeful, even in our own situation. And what I think that often leads us to is thinking that we need to, uh, we have a duty, if you like, and therefore we have to defend doctrine, the gospel, instead of kind of working out a delight, if you like, to dispense the hope that we have in our hearts. We feel like we have to make a philosophical, brilliant defense, or we have to make an apologetic reason and know the Bible inside out, and we need to understand all the theological nuances around every aspect of what God is saying and what the Bible tells us and how that works out in our culture, don't we? And I'm not saying that's wrong. Like Some people will, should and go for that. And if that's you, you go. But what I think this is saying is that what's more powerful, what is more accessible is what you know of the hope of what Christ has done for you that sits in your heart. Amen? The hope that's in you. This is the context. It's the hope that's in you. Who is in you? Christ. (laughs) The hope of glory. He's in you. As you become a Christian, he dwells in you. And it's therefore daily that we don't have to kind of anxiously study and think of every kind of rebuttal to every great argument in the, in the Bible. No, our job is to get happy in him every morning to kindle our hope that it's on fire such that it might overflow to someone who's around you. Why do we need to do this? Because our hope does wane. Our hope does sometimes get battered and beaten. And it's in God, it's in his presence that we renew that And we are reminded of his promises so that we can go again every day with this hope in our armory. Last one, respectful grace. Taking too long on these, I know. Clear conscience so that when they fling mud at us, 
the people out there, because of our good works, because of what we might do, they realize that it doesn't stick because of who God is in us and what we know. And actually, as we, as we are able to kind of stand within that, they then realize their own kind of issues with God. That's that phrase about being ashamed of their kind of slander, of the things they say against us. And the message says that, you know, the mud doesn't stick on us. The message translation, it doesn't stick on us. And they begin to realize that they're the ones who need a bath. And I really like that translation in terms of how we can stand just on the hope that God has given us. So here's the challenge for us. Here's the question that we need to come to uh, as I kind of try and answer something of that for you is all the praying and all the caring in the world is fantastic and it will make some difference but those things won't transform a life in terms of being transformed by Jesus unless we tell them with our mouths who Jesus is and what he's done. And this is the challenge, isn't it, for us. If we can't answer the reason that we've got hope, then they will never know. And the Bible says, how can they believe if they don't know? And how can they know if we don't tell them? If we are not, the Bible says, preaching to those with this message, they're not going to hear it, and therefore they can't respond to it. Why? Because faith, the Bible says, faith, that we, if you're a Christian in this place, you know it comes through hearing the word. Faith comes through hearing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So it must be spoken. That's why we preach the gospel. It's what Paul did. It's what Jesus did. And we proclaim it to our best ability. Three things that we can share, therefore. First thing that we can share is our lives. How we live and what we love, we can share with those around us. We share our lives with others, therefore we have to be amongst others, right? Simple at that point, isn't it? We need to be in the world, not of the world, but definitely in it. If you read the gospel, you'll see Jesus did this. He was a beautiful example with it. And the religious people, they hated it. Why is he having dinner with sinners, with dirty, broken people? Why is he going to that party with prostitutes? They hated it. But Jesus had come, not for the healthy, he'd come for the sick. And so he spent his time with those people. Do you, do I, is the question for us, spend our time with other people. We should be making friends. We should be the best friends because of the hope that we have in our hearts. There's a great piece of research that's been done by the Evangelical Alliance. Um, a, a lady uh, has worked within that, and uh, she's, I think they basically surveyed uh, about 4,000 people um, around the things of faith. And they had um, some, some questions around what, what is it that you find difficult about sharing your faith? And uh, 
I think she was expecting them to answer like, well, we just don't have the knowledge. We're, we're not good at kind of like understanding our Bible or, or that kind of thing, like I've already been talking about. But apparently it wasn't that. It was for, the highest answer, 42% of Christians who were surveyed said that they just didn't know enough people, unsaved people, people who don't know Jesus yet, or they didn't know them well enough to feel that they could share their hope with them. That's almost half of all Christians. That's amazing. Jesus was amongst. I wonder where and who is he putting on your heart? Who are you amongst? It might be your first kingdom moment step to just start to think of how can I be amongst? What can I do? Is it a neighbor? Is it a work colleague? Is it the way that you do your social life? And I want to encourage you, I want to practically help you make this as easy as possible for you, right? Find your likes. <laughs> what do you like to do? Find that and then do it with other people that like it too. Very simple at that point. I was uh, having, a, we sometimes get together, we have various meetings. It was a hosting meeting, people who kind of help uh, kind of work through the service, uh, our meetings together. We had a hosting meeting in uh, Gordon Thorne. He doesn't, I've asked him if I can share it. He said, um, he said I'm going to be a bit late. I said, oh, that's fine, like thinking, oh, that's a bit weird. He said, I've joined a salsa group, uh, me and Katie, because I've realized this year that, um, we, you know, we've lost contact with some of our, uh, you know, being out in the world with unsafe friends. And so um, I said, Gordon, to be honest, that's the best excuse I have ever had for being late to a meeting. I wish we all had that excuse. And uh, he said, can I, I asked him if I could share it. He said, yes, you can. And he said, it's 7 p.m. on Monday nights <laughs> at the Royal Exeter Hotel. And if you want to join him, you're very welcome. <laughs> but I just thought it was a great example. And maybe that's something for you just to take out of today and think, how can I be amongst? And how can I be at least in a position, at least in a position to share something of my faith with those around us. This is what God has called us to do together. What a kingdom moment that is from Gordon Thorne and Katie Thorne. I love it. just want to talk about a person of peace. There's something in the Bible in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Jesus has sent out the 72, um, the disciples and a bunch of other people, and he's sent them out to preach the good news, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. That's what the Bible tells us that they were doing. He was giving them power and authority to do that. And he, he, he says, I've gone before you, but when you go, knock on people's doors and give them something of my message. And he says this, if the peace rests on them, then they are like a worthy person. I don't know if you found this with people. Some people are very receptive to what we're talking about. Some people aren't. And that's okay, but work where God's already working, where the Holy Spirit is already making people perhaps receptive to you. As a Christian, they know that. They kind of seem to warm to you. They, can, they almost back you up. They, they, they like you, and they're open to opening their friendships and relationships to you. Work intentionally with the person of peace. 
And they're the people to start, if you like, praying for and intentionally trying to meet and work towards being able to share your faith. I don't think this is, this is not like this whole project thing. Like We don't want people to be projects, no. But we do need to be intentional if we're going to reach people um, specifically. And we all uh, can, can kind of fall at that hurdle with all the other things that are in our lives. Just another kind of help, if you like, um, some tips in this. Um, another writer talks about kind of uh, helping people on the journey. He talks about coffee, uh, dinner, and gospel. Okay, I like this because it includes food. So you're all going to like it too. And he says at the coffee stage, you're t- kind of talking informal. Um, it's a shorter kind of uh, time with, per- with someone. Um, and you kind of go to a neutral place. We have a beautiful, don't we, coffee shop. It's called the Arch, and uh, you can bring people in there. All right, little plug for Arch Cafe. But genuinely, there is no better place to bring someone but the Arch Cafe if you want to have a coffee with them, and they don't yet know Jesus. Why? Because the church is just here. There's people just next door to you getting a food parcel, and you get a great opportunity to share with them just something of an informal moment. So that's coffee. What about dinner? It could be beer, depending on your preference. What about dinner? Dinner is a bit more formal. Once you get into that kind of conversation, invite them into your home. Values, you'll start to talk about values and what's important to them and why do they believe that. And you can go a bit deeper because it's a bit more formal environment and it might go on a little longer. Coffee, dinner, at that moment, you can then talk perhaps about your beliefs, your values, what you hold dear, the hope that you have in you. You know, once you've had something of a spiritual conversation, this same research that I talked about, they said that one in three people who have had a spiritual conversation with a Christian would love to have another one. One in three people who you've talked about, perhaps about the church or or about Jesus or something that he's done in your life, after you've spoken to them once, one in three of those people would love to speak to you again about that very thing that you've talked to them. That's amazing, isn't it? People are more open than we think. A couple of other tips. Mix your friendships Church people <laughs> and non-church people. All right, when you have a party, invite both. It's a great way just to, you're not on your own with this. That's why life groups are so important, that we can do this in, in, a, in a team, as it were. And as you introduce people to other people, they find out that they know Jesus too, and there's cross kind of pollination and cross interests work together, and it's a really helpful thing to do. Go to their stuff. Don't just invite them to our stuff. All right? It's important that we go to their stuff first, whatever that may be. And whatever you're invited to, make every effort to go there. We were at Nat and Stephen's uh, wedding, and when I go to things like that, she had a whole bunch of people from all different areas of friendship, and they mixed their friendship group incredibly on that day. And uh, I always will speak to people who I think are probably not in church. 
And I got the opportunity to speak to a guy called Matt, and uh, he was one of Nat's um, university friends, and uh, it was a kingdom moment right there. And he t- began to open up with his story, and he told us that his dad was a, uh, a kind of militant kind of preaching atheist, someone who said there, there's just no God. And that was how he grew up. And he was saying, but over the years, and partly because of his, his contact with Nat and others, he began to think he, he didn't want to be like his dad. There just seemed to be no meaning in life at all. And so he was now open to the fact that maybe there is a God. And so we just had a conversation with him, and it was just a really nice, really easy chat about faith, a spiritual conversation. In the end, we just said, look, there'll be an Alpha course in Bristol somewhere. That's where he lives. Why don't you go and check it out? You're obviously open to asking questions about this and searching for those bigger questions in life. Did you know that one in three people who don't yet know God are asking, genuinely asking, the big questions of life? We have an answer for them, don't we? We really do. Okay, I need to move on. One thing we can invite people to is the stuff that we do, okay? We meet every Sunday, and it's a great opportunity for us to bring people into this context. It might not be right for everyone, but it can be right for some. Lauren Windle is coming here as a guest. We're going to have a meal, and you can invite guests to this event on this day, the 14th of March. It will help us as we kind of knock towards Easter, and then on the back of Easter, we'll have an Alpha course, and it's something that we can all engage in, in in that sense of series of events that we can help people um, understand a little bit more about who we are. I really want to encourage you to think about that. It is a guest event, okay? So... It's not really for a city gate kind of whole table night out, all right? Um, you can do that in your own time. But why not think about who you could bring and uh, get it in the diary? She's, she's going to be good, I think. She, um, anyway, you can read about it on there. I won't take any more time. Okay, what else can you share? You can share your story, how Jesus has changed you. Your testimony of what Jesus has done in your life cannot be wrong, right? And you know it already, don't you? Your story can transform other people's lives because they might relate to something in your story. And if they trust you, and if you're a friend of them, then they will accept your story and they will take it on the merit that you are telling them with. Tell your story, but only after you've listened to theirs. The listening aspect of this for us is so important that we hear where they're from, what they're doing, what life's been like for them. And on the back of that, you may be able to tell something of your story. Very simple way Um, to tell your story is just to think about what was before and what was after and who was in the middle. It was Jesus. And he forgave you of your sins and you began to follow him. And the difference between those two words, whether it's insecure, secure, whether it's I just strived for achievement and then I can just rest in now in God's 
goodness is an easy way to think about your story. What are your words? We're going to work some of this stuff out and unpack it in small groups, in life groups together, so we can learn, be equipped, if you like, to have this hope that we have. Our stories are different, but they're also, in some ways, the same. Because there's some certain commonalities that happen to all of us when we become a Christian. We know who we are. We get a security that comes from God, don't we? Do you know what? The world is in desperate need of understanding identity that comes from something bigger than themselves. They need to know that they are loved because many people don't know it yet. The second thing is, you begin to know why you're here. You have a purpose when you become a Christian, don't you? A reason to live and why you do what you do. Do you know what? The world has no purpose. They have no understanding. They have no framework for their life. And they need it. And they need it. And as a Christian, I know where I'm going. Death has no sting for me. No fear of death or of life in generally. And they, all of them, want a happy ever after, don't they? Do they want a happy ever after? They do. The gospel story has a happy ever after. And this is my last kind of point, is that we can share his story. You see, your, Jesus has changed you, but the gospel, the gospel changes everything. This amazing Bible story changes everything. And you know, you have a basis for your hope. You have a reason for your hope. Our hope is in Jesus. (laughs) It's in him. He is our Christ. He's a treasure to us. He's Lord. He's perfect in his holiness, revering Christ as Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. And if you said that, it would be good enough. That is your witness right there. But we know there's so much more, don't we? We know that he created us. He came. He manifested himself. He came to live on this earth. And then he died. And the reason he died was because of our sin, because there was no other way that we could get our relationship back on track with him. And so he was sacrificed for our sin so that we could have freedom and be forgiven. And then he rose. (laughs) In the resurrection, he came to life again. The only God, it seems, who has experienced death and come to life. And in that, that means there is life for us and life to the full and life forever with him. And then there is this happy ever after. He will come again. He will come again and he will gather up those that are called to him by the Holy Spirit who have believed in him and they will be with him forever in eternity, glorifying his name. That's our story. That's the gospel story. That's our hope. It's the thing that people need to hear. And as they hear it, 
God does an incredible thing. He brings faith. He convicts them of their sin. This is none of us, right? We just tell the story. He does the saving. We tell the story. He does the saving. We be obedient. We leave the outcome with God. He will do what he can do. And do you know what? He is, he is so keen to save people. Your friends, your neighbors, your family, your co-workers, your kids' friends, whole households. <laughs> he wants to bring back to a restored relationship with him because he is a God of love and he cannot but work for the good of those who love him. Amen.